Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we explore the far reaches of the globe in search of unique characters and stories to share. Reach beyond your front door and let's chat about art, architecture, history, real estate, and more. Let's jump in. are active, engaged, and ready for their next experience of a lifetime. They are searching out travel that embraces a vast range of activities, perhaps more than ever before in our history. So how best to plan and prepare for travel at an older age? What do older adults need to know when choosing a destination? Listen in as Dawn and Allison, global nomads who took to the skies in their 60s, recount their adventures, obstacles, and share with us their advice for traveling in the marvelously more mature years. Take a tour with us as we seek to uncover the benefits and beauty of senior travel. When we first began to research this topic, a name came to mind. Who's that? Annie Peck. Annie Peck. I don't think I know her. So Annie Peck was an inspiring American female mountaineer and adventurer who lived from 1850 to 1935. She climbed until she was well into her 80s, and she also wrote several books on the topic of travel and exploration. Now, in her late 70s, between 1929 and 1930, she took part in a seven-month trip around South America to prove how easy and safe commercial flights were for passengers. Now, at that point, her trip was considered the longest trip ever made by a North American traveler. Wow, that is very, very cool, trailblazing, and impressive. It certainly is. Clearly, we aren't the only ones impressed with her accomplishments, though. The northern peaks of Peruvian Cordillera Blanca mountain chain was named after Annie. It's called Cumbre Anapec. To have a mountain chain named after you, that's no small feat. But she isn't the only senior who has continued to include travel and adventure as an integral part of their lives. No, there are some pretty inspiring seniors out there. Take the American Junior Buenos, for example. I know. He's amazing. He's considered to be the pioneer in the American ski industry and set the record on April 5th, 2021 for being the oldest heliskier at the age of 95 years, almost 96. Wow. Yeah, he was inducted into the United States National Ski Hall of Fame in 1990. 96. Wow. There are so many people who are finding adventure and travel at increasingly older ages. So listen to this. At the age of 80, Ichiro Mura was the oldest person to reach the summit of Mount Everest. He had accomplished the speed at age 70 and 75 previously. And prior to climbing at age 80, he had been up against a variety of obstacles, such as multiple heart operations, complications due to diabetes, and even pelvis surgery. Yet he accomplished his goal despite his medical challenges. Yeah, that just blows me away. So many people without those conditions wouldn't attempt what he did. And really, at age 65, they tend to just retire to their own living rooms. That is very, very inspiring. I know. There was a documentary based on his life, The Man Who Skied Down Everest. 
He's been named the godfather of extreme skiing. Okay. I have to warn my husband not to listen to this episode. I don't want him getting any funny ideas about skiing down (laughs) in the Himalayas. (gasps) Don't forget the legend himself, John Glenn, who went to space for 11 days in 1998 at the age of 77. Mm -hmm. He became the world's oldest astronaut. And these are just to name a few record-setting seniors who are living to the largest. Yeah, they certainly set the bar pretty high. Yeah, they do. But many seniors are leading a more active lifestyle than ever before. And for many, traveling represents part of their, you know, everyday active lifestyle. Yeah, travel is something that most people plan to engage in only when they retire. I suppose because it might be a time of more freedom, both in terms of their time and maybe even financially too. Exactly. No more pesky kids to pay for. Oh, for sure. According to the Canadian tourism industry, Industrial Outlook for Spring 2018, Adults aged 55 to 75 were considered to be the number one largest consumer group and were in the prime traveling time. Hmm. This is confirmed by Zach Thompson in his latest article for Frummers. He quoted Maria Gillen, who's the director of the AARP, who stated that research after research has shown that travel is the number one aspiration for those 50 and older. And for those of you who don't know what the AARP is, it's the it's really America's largest non-for-profit, non-partisan organization dedicated to empowering Americans 50 and older to choose how they live as they age. Okay. And according to Trillium Boutique, seniors living from British Columbia, Canada, boomers account for 63% of all cruise travel. They state that boomers are at the core of several travel trends, including ecotourism, adventure travel, medical tourism, multi-generational travel, and also passion hobby vacations which are really vacations that combine passions such as biking language learning food and wine and also spiritual travel wow that's great go boomers go yeah they're certainly proving to be the leaders in globe trotting and are serving as a great example really for all of us yeah traveling really offers so many benefits for everyone doesn't it including older travelers as well it does in an article provided by senior friendship centers of southwest florida It outlines some of the benefits of travel. For instance, did you know that men who take their vacations are 32% less likely to die from heart disease? No, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And women who take two or more vacations a year are less likely to be stressed and less likely to suffer depression. I think I need more vacations. Yeah, who doesn't, Walker? (laughs) Who doesn't? Yeah. When older adults travel, it keeps them active and provides them opportunities, which they wouldn't otherwise experience if they stayed home. And by staying physically active, it really helps lower the rate of diabetes, stroke, cancers, even the risk of falling in addition to heart disease, as we mentioned earlier. It also helps stay mentally active as it requires planning the trip itself and navigating new destinations when you do travel. Yeah, lots of really good wellness benefits there. Yeah, there is, isn't there? And for this reason, if they can comfortably and safely travel, many seniors continue to do so. Well, you know that I believe that age is just a number. Yeah, according to Elaine Schaefer, who writes a blog about senior travel, ability to travel is not a function of age. It's determined by your physical and mental fitness. Which totally makes sense. Great physical and mental health is a big plus and opens the doors to unlimited travel options. But let's be real. Most of us just can't avoid health issues as we age. Fortunately, there are so many more choices available now than ever before for those older travelers experiencing physical and mental challenges. 
So I would think an all-inclusive beach holiday is a fairly easy and stress-free vacation somewhere in the Caribbean, perhaps. Yeah, all-inclusive resorts are a great option for those seeking a holiday where you just don't have to lift a finger. Everything is right there. You can really make an all-inclusive holiday as active or as chill as you want. And most resorts will have mobility support and on-site medical staff, too. Right. Many have spas, too, so you can book a massage or two while you're there. Absolutely. Why not? And cruises are similar. They're floating all-inclusive resorts. They are really popular with seniors. You have the beautiful views, the excellent food, and all manner of entertainment. You don't even really have to leave the ship when you pull into a port. When I was on my last cruise, there was so much choice. Live shows, movies, aqua theater, casinos, onboard spas, and for the more adventurous, I didn't take part, but you know, many people did, surfing lessons, rock climbing, zip lining, and even ice skating. So the list goes on and on. Of course, there's medical staff on board too, which is helpful. Yeah, before we go on, can I just ask you, what on earth is aqua theater? Aqua theater is where they have a diver at a very high point at the bow of the ship and they jump in to a pool of water below. And I think there's trapezes and things like that, but the conditions have to be right. You know, it can't be wavy, it can't be windy, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Very I imagine that the cruise is very appealing to those seniors who want to travel with their extended family as well. For instance, adult children and even their grandchildren. Yeah, I think it's a good option for large groups because there is a little something for everyone. Yeah, but for those who prefer a more intimate experience, there is the river cruise. Yeah, I personally have always wanted to try one. I can remember driving along the Rhine once when I was in Germany and seeing one of these river boats, and it looked like a very serene, civilized way to travel. Yeah, I read an article in Women Over 80 Travel written by Diana Eden, and she recounted her experience on a river cruise on the Rhone River in France. And she said, I hadn't quite turned 80 at the time. One day, I was sitting on the top deck enjoying the sun on my face and the view of the hills covered with lush vineyards and dotted with ancient stone buildings. I thought, when I'm 100 years old and decrepit, I'll cruise up and down a beautiful river like this all day. Sounds beautiful. What a great idea. I know. And she said that she and her sister were delighted with the experience. She also outlined, however, a few reasons why women over 80 should consider a river cruise. And after I read these pointers, I really think they apply to, you know, anybody. Right. Okay. Well, spill the tea, Walker. Okay. So she liked the following aspects of the river cruise. She said the riverboat was more intimate. It was quieter, more relaxing, and easier to navigate. With a maximum of 140 people, she said it was easy to make friends. Okay. That's important. She met a lot of people her own age because most of the people on board were retirement age, so not a lot of kids racing back and forth. Right. Um, disembarking the river cruise ship in most cases was done with ease in just a few minutes walk to the center of town located beside the river. I know from personally being on a larger cruise ship, there can be way more people than 140 trying to get off the ship at the same time. And there's usually quite a walk to get off the ship and into the market area located in the port. So it was a lot easier. Okay. The choice of tours is tremendous, she said, and you can select tours that match your fitness level and even whether or not you're an early bird. It's generally recommended to take a look at the tours provided by a particular cruise in advance of booking just to make sure that there's enough options for you personally. Right. 
Yeah. She also recommended, uh, or remarked, I should say, that there was excellent food and that the wine itself flowed freely. Well, <laughs> that can be an ingredient for a very enjoyable holiday. <laughs> One also has the opportunity to see exquisite scenery from the water. You know, it's a beautiful vantage point. She does recommend, however, that you get a good handle on the itinerary because sometimes boats can cruise by areas that you want to actually visit mm -hmm. at times that might be in the evening. Oh, yeah. And so she point. said, make sure that it's in the daytime. So okay. check the itinerary. She also notes that by being able to drift right into towns, you don't run into the massive crowds that you experience in the ports that accommodate the monster cruise ships. She's right about mm. that. It can be very busy with many ships docking at the same place at the same time. Right. My parents took a river cruise once with another couple, and I think they sailed from Amsterdam to Budapest on the Danube. Oh, neat. How did they like it? They loved it. They said it was like one of the best trips they'd ever taken. They actually commented on much of what you just said. Wonderful food, great excursions, peaceful days, sitting on your balcony, just watching the world slide by. They loved it. But you do have to be mindful of climate conditions and the time of year at which you book. Climate change is affecting the water levels in European rivers. The boats, of course, can't go under the bridges if the water's too high. And they can't sail if the water's too low. In these cases, you would have to be satisfied with being bussed to destinations. So this is certainly a risk to be considered. And it's actually the primary reason why I haven't booked a river cruise yet. Yeah, it's something to think about for sure. For those who feel that a cruise, however, or an all-inclusive resort is not for them, there are other options, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, we've talked about before about how much I love train travel. An iconic adventure is crossing the Canadian Rockies by train. The views are meant to be out of this world, and you can arrange for a berth or a bedroom for comfy travel. There's gourmet meals as well, so don't worry about food. I believe that there are four different routes, but if you're interested in learning more, I'd recommend you check out the RockyMountaineer.com. Yeah, I've crossed the Rockies many times by car, but I really do dream of crossing them by train. I think it would be magical. And they have those glass ceiling train cars too, don't they? Yeah, the bubble cars. Ooh, the bubble <laughs> car. I want to ride on the bubble car. One of my friends crossed the country as a paid musician on the train and she just she raved about it oh that's interesting you know you can also stay closer to home if you're searching for a little activity and adventure and you know it's not going to cost that much there are many national parks that you can explore many offer offering guided experiences led by park rangers that are very informative and if you're interested in going that route, the National Park Service in the U.S. has a website. And if you are an American citizen over the age of 62, you can ask about their $80 lifetime senior pass. Wow, that sounds like a really good deal. It is a great deal. And in Canada, you can obtain a senior pass if you're over 65 for $61.75. Hmm. <laughs> Many of the national parks offer a variety of accommodation, tours, experiences, and of course, they're absolutely gorgeous. They truly are gorgeous. And it's nice just to sometimes get off the grid. But if that doesn't float your boat, you can opt for fully guided travel. A friend of mine has been a guide for seniors tours for decades now. And it really sounds like a fun experience that takes all of the anxiety out of going somewhere new. They don't tend to be very physically demanding. And there is a lot of one-on-one -on -one support. 
Yeah, there are many tour companies that cater specifically to seniors. They can be a great option for people at any age too, especially if you have mobility issues. I remember I had a good friend of mine who had mobility issues after suffering a stroke and he wanted to vacation but didn't necessarily want to deal with arranging suitable transportation. Right. Yeah, so he contacted a company that organized senior tours and had a wonderful experience and even met a ton of new and interesting friends. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. The social aspect of travel can be a real draw for any age, but it's really important as we get older. I believe travel is just good for the soul. And it certainly sounds like you just have to land on what suits you best. Yeah, traveling doesn't have to be an all or nothing experience. Say you want to go to Egypt to see the pyramids, but you're worried about long hikes, stairs, and the heat. Explore the possibility of experiencing a version of that experience. Maybe take a river cruise on the Nile that is complete with mobility-friendly transfers and excursions. And make sure it has air-conditioned cabins, right? Absolutely, in Egypt. Yeah, look for recommendations among friends for good tour companies. So many cater to the retirement set now. That's great advice. I would think that beyond mobility and illness, mental capacity and even dementia can pose a real challenge for many senior couples and their families. Barbara Burriel outlined some tips based on her experience planning a family vacation with her father who was suffering from Alzheimer's. She claimed... It was not the idyllic family vacation that they hoped for, but it was nevertheless fantastic to be together, read on the beach, cook crazy meals, and spend time with dad. She has some really practical recommendations. First of all, she says, strategize carefully. Think about potential problems through in advance so that you have a game plan if things go sideways. In Barbara's case, her sister went on the plane with her parents while she flew ahead and set up the condo at their destination in advance of their arrival. So very smart. She also says that flying and long drives can be really challenging. So sometimes, depending on your loved one, staying closer to home might be easier and less discombobulating and therefore probably fun for everyone. Explain your travel plans to your loved one as many times as it's necessary. We all know that, you know, people who are suffering from dementia, they can ask repeated questions, stick to the familiar, go to places that they're used to going to. So if your loved ones always went to Florida or Arizona in the wintertime, maybe choose those as destinations and bring along familiar items that can help connect the person to their new surroundings. I think it's really important too to to manage expectations of everybody who's going on the trip because if you have really lofty expectations the likelihood of you being disappointed when the challenges come up are pretty high also allow for lots of downtime don't over schedule and I think this is really good advice for anyone on holiday you don't have to push so hard just enjoy the moment And if you are going to do activities, make sure you plan them for the time of day when your loved one is probably going to be most aware and less likely to experience anxiety. Make sure you're organized in your packing with lots of diversions, necessary medications, health insurance documents, all that stuff. It's also good to know where the local hospital is. And if you're worried about your loved one wandering off, maybe an ID bracelet or GPS tracker might give you some peace of mind. But most of all, just have fun. Be in the moment, take it slow, enjoy the quality time, and embrace the pace. 
Yeah, that that's a lot of good practical information. And it's reassuring to know that life and travel doesn't necessarily end with dementia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's explore the topic of aging and travel further with global nomads, Allison and Dawn. Allison and Dawn embraced the nomadic life in their 60s after deciding that the fast-paced life of Dawn's career as a neuropsychologist was beginning to wreak havoc with his health. They defy the societal belief that we are meant to slow down after retirement and hit the trail running, and have been documenting their experiences, insights, and adventures ever since. We are so excited to speak with you both today. Welcome, Dawn and Allison. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So I guess I'm going to start off by saying you truly, the two of you are an inspiration to many who perhaps would otherwise lack the courage and confidence to shake off the trappings of their life and embark on a globe trotting adventure. Now, can you take us back to the days when the decision to hit the open road was beginning to shape? Because it wasn't, it was sort of, there was sort of a lead up, wasn't there? With yes. Dawn's help. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'd, I'd been, I was 68 and I'd been really feeling like I was ready to retire okay. for a few years before that, but couldn't see a way. We, we met later in life mm -hmm. and married later in life. And so we still had quite a mortgage on our condominium. And I couldn't, for, couldn't just couldn't see how we could manage to keep the condominium and go traveling, which we talked about doing. And I was getting very stressed by this. And eventually I went to see a counselor mm -hmm. and we talked about the difficulties I was experiencing. And she suggested that I read a, a book that might be helpful and to start doing the exercises in that book. And I always forget the name of the book, but Alison. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. There you go. Wonderful book. And so the first exercise that I began doing was to write three pages raw hand every morning before I did anything else, before I had breakfast, before I showered, just sit down, write three pages long hand to get whatever was in my mind down on paper so I could see it and see the repetitive patterns of, that the mind has. And so I started and you know, the first two days, it was garbage, 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 all my worries and fears coming out on paper. Mm -hmm. And then on the third day, in the middle of the third day, I found myself writing, well, we could always sell our condominium and go traveling. And, and I was like, whoa, well, so very kind of <laughs> cautiously, I said this to Alison. And she was like, Woo let's do it. <laughs> that wasn't what you were expecting necessarily. We had no, we had no concept that that would be a way out. And um, we were lucky enough to make enough selling the condo to pay off all our debts and have a big chunk left over, which we invested, of course. So we had, finally, we had some financial freedom. We had no home, but we had some financial freedom, um, which I would choose any day. Thank you. I would just would. And um, it took us four months, which I look back and think that's miraculous, really, from making the decision to actually hitting the road. 
So we had a condo to sell. Don had to wind, had a business he'd had for what, 20, 30 years, yeah. had to wind that up, find a replacement for himself, for the business. How do we move this on out of our lives from car to furniture to everything that fills a home? A lot and of moving parts. A lot of moving parts of that moving had parts. to be organized. And, and really, we had a condo. We've spoken to people who've had a full house or a house and they're on a farm and they have a house and several sheds. And it's like, I was overwhelmed enough. Once the decision was there, all the doors opened. Yeah. It didn't mean we weren't afraid. It didn't mean we weren't anxious. It didn't mean we weren't overwhelmed, but. I was working within a company that was providing um, care to people who had suffered traumatic brain injuries. And I didn't, I was doing medical legal assessments of people who'd had head and brain injuries. So that was a good fit. And I didn't want to just quit and leave the company in the lurch. And so I remembered I had a conversation with a, one of my colleagues who lived on the other side of Canada in Toronto. I'd had a conversation with him a few years ago about he, how he was thinking about the possibility of moving to Vancouver. So I phoned him and he said, oh, that's a coincidence. I was just thinking about moving to Vancouver. And so we worked it out, you know, it was just, was meant just to be. like that. Yeah. I'd been paying Alison as my, oh, God. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, paying Alison a little each month as, as a consultant to me. Okay. And suddenly we got a notification through our uh, accountant mm -hmm. that the Canada Revenue, Canada was, Revenue going, was going to was, audit us. Was going to audit this <laughs> and they might charge us a huge fine and disallow them all the money I paid Alison over all the years, which would essentially have taken everything we had. Everything I we mean, had. When you added in oh, the goodness. fine and the interest and the so this was, you know, this was going on while we were selling everything, we were just going ahead anyway. And then um, as part of my work, I occasionally had to go to court to give test, to give expert testimony. <laughs> so uh, there was this case that came up that, oh, well, we are gonna have to appear on this date, which was after we actually planned to leave. And I said, well, sorry, well, you know, we've done this and we've done that. And he said, Okay, we'll uh, we'll arrange a special session for you the day before you leave. <laughs> so they had you right up into the very end. Right to the very <laughs> end, and so we couldn't, you know, we couldn't book flights. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't do anything. We were just we were just we were still moving on. We were selling everything. We were moving out of the condo. We'd sold the condo. We had um, a handover date on it. And there were these two things, the thing with Canada Revenue and the thing with this court case. And same day. The same day they both got resolved. Yeah. Oh, wow. Fabulous. The same day. Same day. The same day. Got a letter from the lawyer saying, eh, it's settled. And a letter from Revenue Canada saying. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Yeah. So your, sh your shoulders so came down. We booked our flights <gasps> and took off. But, you know. It was it was a really useful exercise in letting go. Yeah. In really, really at a really deep emotional level, 
letting go and surrendering to whatever life was going to offer us. It's interesting that you make that point. So many people hold themselves back from this sort of change due to fear, fear of not enough money or ill health or fear of the unknown, right? So how did you manage these sorts of anxieties, both when you were considering taking this leap and when you were out in the world? Um, My way of managing anxiety has always been to feel it, to to not try to put on a brave front or, I mean, during that four-month period from when we made the decision to when we actually left the country, oh, sure, I had sleepless nights. We were so clear that this is what we needed to do yeah so clear so we were anxious so we were afraid it didn't matter that had nothing to do with anything it ultimately that really that's how it was the biggest moves in your life are when the universe moves you that's really what it is so true Alison. yeah 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 and when the universe moves you managing the fears is well you do the best you can and just push through yeah. 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 Now you had mentioned in a blog post you wrote while in Bangkok some time ago um, that you wrote about travel sickness or a realization that the travel at that point wasn't serving you. And you did a deep dive to determine what wasn't resonating with you while you were in Thailand's capital. Can you tell us a little bit about this? And have you had any of those similar moments on your travels sort of after that? Well, the deep dive was into realizing I wasn't sick of travel at all. But the mind, it makes up stories. It's, you know, you'll get a feeling and the mind will make up a story about what it means. And often it's not at all what it means. And so, the mind was making up story, this story, oh, I'm sick of traveling. I want to go home. We'd barely begun at this point. And so Don is amazing for listening, you know. And so I say, okay, I need to talk about this. And I put it on what I call external speaker, put it out there. And so I can hear the story the mind's making up. And so diving into coming to understand that it wasn't about being sick of travel at all. It was not enough stimulation, external stimulation in that moment, which is one of the big things about travel for me is. Thailand wasn't kind of, exotic enough. It wasn't for exotic. Her. Well, uh-huh. Bangkok, I mean, you know, <laughs> Bangkok was just too modern and Western after <laughs> India, after Delhi. God, <laughs> that was a method we used all the time, wasn't it? Yeah. For every little thing that came up. Was... I mean, one of the things about that we learned at traveling, you're together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Stuff comes up that you have to deal with. And you have to deal with it in this moment. You can't say, oh, I, I don't want to talk about that now. You know, or I have to go to up. work now. Or The classic yeah. example was us trying to get into Myanmar. <laughs> And at the airport, and we booked our flights. But while I was booking the flight, there was a choice, you know, as airlines do, they try and get every nickel out of you. Uh, There was a choice to choose, do you want travel insurance? And so I pressed the wrong button. So when we got to the check-in counter in, which country was it? Uh, It was Bangkok. Okay, in Bangkok. Get to Bangkok airport, line up, 
finally get to the desk, tell her, you know, this is our booking code. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You'll have to go over to the desk over there and sort out this thing with the insurance. So we go over to this. We'd already lined up for 45 minutes at this point. Yeah. And there was and another huge lineup. Time is <laughs> clicking. There's a huge lineup. Now, Alison has a mode she gets into <laughs> when stuff needs to happen. You don't need to see it. <laughs> but she gets fierce, very, very fierce. So instead of lining up to go to this ticket, these ticket windows, three windows, Alison goes to the other end. And as soon as somebody leaves, she dives in and takes over. <laughs> So we're trying to get this thing sorted. Oh, it was just... And it was just one thing after another and after another. And finally, Alison turns to me and says, you get your energy off this right now. I, I, was, I was having some fears about going to Myanmar. And Alison detected that those he was fears. just blocking everything. Yeah. So yeah. she gets, she, I get this stern warning. And I'm like, right. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and immediately, yeah, everything, everything sorted. got sorted. So we go back to the check-in line, which is again huge. And Alison just marches to the front of the line and pushes in. And says, "Here we are. We're back. We've sorted it. Give us our boarding cards." Yeah. So there are times when this fierceness has really been needed. And also, you know, if I hadn't done what I'd done, we'd, never have, got there. we'd never have made the flight. There, yeah. There's no way we'd have. And yet we always get to airports, you know, between three and four hours early. I remembered another time. Oh, God, an, a boat trip from Phnom Penh to Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City, mm -hmm. what was supposed to be a boat trip. And, and we kept not getting what they had promised, not getting, not getting. And finally, on the third morning, I just lost it. And... Um, it did result in a far better experience of the Kairang floating wholesale markets down all the early, early, early morning, down all the little uh, clongs there to get to the main area of the market. And if I hadn't done that, we'd have been put on a motorbike back to town and on one of the big tourist boats. It sounds like you're perfectly suited, you know, one, <laughs> oh, yeah. one yes. strength comes out when necessary, and then yeah. the other pulls back, and the other one's strength comes out when necessary yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. A perfect are. traveling companionship then. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. And that has very much improved, you know, with doing it for, yeah. We, yeah. for nearly six years full time, and then every year since then for several months. So, yeah. You've had your practice. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's our, that is our practice in, in both the Buddhist sense and the, the regular sense. There's so much I want to ask you both, because so much of this really resonates with me in terms of, especially when you've touched on resistance and asking Dawn to, you know, get your energy off of this. <laughs> and, you know, you go in for it, Allison. But I have a real curiosity. I'm a, a big traveler myself, not nearly to the same extent as, as you both are, but I aspire to do exactly what, what you both have done. But how did you how did you choose your next destination? What were sort of the criteria that you would talk about and discuss and, and weigh when you were coming up with your next stop on the journey? Well, we began, we both had, as interestingly, without 
discussing it at all, I think, beforehand. We realized we both wanted to see Ramana Maharshi's ashram oh, in right. South India. Yeah. We didn't know this about each other, but turns out we both wanted to do that. The ashram is in a small, grubby Indian village called Tiruvannamalai. And as it happened, we have friends who've lived in Tiruvannamalai for years. They rented an apartment for us, found a place where we could stay for three months and sort of helped us land. So they sent a driver to Delhi airport to drive us to Tiruvannamalai and smoothed the path. But I had never been to India before. I'd mm -hmm. never been. No, really... neither of us had, but I'd done a lot more exotic traveling than right. Don. So oh, I'd done ahead, none. Yeah. And a bit of a culture shock, maybe. More than a bit. Mm -hmm. I was traumatized by oh. India. Oh, no. So, you know, people, <laughs> people would say, well, you need, you need to go to Kerala. It's beautiful in Kerala. Why don't you go there? And I said, if I ever leave Tiru, I'm never coming back. <laughs> so we stuck it out for three months. And then we went to Bali, which was another of our, oh, I'd love to go to Bali. Right. And Bali was heaven. After India, Bali was calm, quiet. <laughs> Beautiful. Green paddy fields. Yeah. Space, too. People. I imagine a little bit more space, yeah, yeah. personal yeah. space. Yes. Yeah. So, again, we chose, you know, Bali after India, and it was a real respite. And also starting with Tuscany. I mean, this was our initial bucket list yeah. for both of us was Tuscany, Tiru, and Bali. So that was the very beginning of how yeah. we chose. So. And um, then you just sort of winged it from there. You let yeah. the, so the winds well, of, of time take you wherever they would take well, you. After Bali, we inevitably went to Australia where I have family. And okay. you know, it's so close, so I will go visit family. And it was while we were there that we, with my sister and her husband, we went to see the best exotic marigold hotel. Oh, fantastic. That, that must have been an experience. Well, after that point, <laughs> after seeing that movie, I'd sworn I would never go back to India. Right. But once I saw that movie and the color and the light, oh, oh yeah, I'll go. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Next, next stop on the itinerary. It, it really was. Yeah. I mean, we went back to Canada to take care of some housekeeping and stuff back there. Then we went oh, back to India. Better the second time. And we've since been back twice more after that. We love India. Don loves India now. Yeah, I love it. Don, you've been you've been converted. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of it as being roasted and basted rather than converted. <laughs> well, it's so definitely it's... on the top of my my to-go list. And in fact, I tried, my husband and I tried to go there years and years ago when we were just young backpackers. And we had attempted to go at, at Christmas season and we didn't realize that there were literally no flights to be had. So we ended up in, in Brazil, which was oh, equally as interesting, I think. Yeah. yeah. We've never had, never chosen a place and ended up there accidentally, I don't think. But after going back to India, it, this was September of 2012. Well, it was seemed obvious, well, we've never been to Southeast Asia. So we did six months in Southeast Asia at that point. And then after that, it became, well, where haven't we been? Right. So I remember spending three weeks in Montreal. I have a sister who lives there too. And 
again, housekeeping, you know, getting the right clothes and getting my camera serviced and, mm -hmm. oh, rescuing my laptop after I'd spilt water all over it. Oh, no, that's my worst nightmare. I mean, was, oh, I know. But then we went to South America for six months because, well, we hadn't been there. Well, I had years ago in my 20s, I'd been there, but Don had never been there. We didn't get to Brazil. No, the, Bra the Brazilian government wanted too much for a visa, so yes. we just skipped around. Yeah, we well, there's enough to see outside of Brazil and South oh, America. Oh, God, yeah. No kidding. We thought six months would be plenty, and, yeah. and it really wasn't. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's vast and very diverse, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yes. very diverse landscape and cultures. So, yes, oh, wonderful. Extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, we went from Patagonia to northern Argentina and a lot in between so yeah we did a lot but these days choosing where to go is a quite different process because we have a home base now mm -hmm. we go away for two or three months every year we're currently in australia for what actually three and a half months two and a half, two months, and a half yeah. months okay i've got to say last year now you know it's headed towards spring and we're talking about where do you want to go don't know if i want to go anywhere at all do you want to hear does this appeal to you no does that no and we're back and forth and nothing is really resonating and mm -hmm. and my sister had been staying with a friend in Barcelona and realized she was overstepping her Schengen visa and needed to get out of the country for a bit so right. she phones and says I know you guys want to go to Greece and well it's right next to Croatia and I'm going to go to Croatia for a few weeks you want to come and we're both like yes Perfect. There it is. Bingo. Yes. Bingo. Perfect timing. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So there's, yeah. there's, and then, so we do it that way. It's like intuitive and it's like, again, the universe moving you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so we went to Croatia and Greece for seven weeks. It was fabulous in May and June. Last yeah. That is fabulous. And the perfect time of to, year to go. Yes. Yeah, yes. Awesome. Not too busy. Yeah, right. So, well, I was just going to ask you, because you kind of alluded to it a little bit, that sometimes you have to take breaks in the jet setting, whether it's to go home to Canada and do some housekeeping. But are there any other circumstances where you just feel like, oh, OK, I've had enough for a bit. I want to put some roots down for even longer than perhaps, you know, two and a half, three months. Or is that sort of your what you consider a break from from the globe trotting? While we were fully nomadic and had no home at all, we would get to the point we had to just stop. Twice we stopped in a town called La Manzanilla in Mexico, once for three months, once for two months. A friend who lives in England has a home in Cyprus, and he rented that to us for a very reasonable price. And so we stayed there for two months. Because mm -hmm. uh, it can yes, be exhausting, I, can't it? Oh, it can be being on the go. exhausting. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, yes, we definitely. And of course, there have also been medical reasons to stop for a while. Right, right. Of course, and, and a medical reason to actually reestablish having home. So we have a home base now in Vancouver. We made no decision to stop being nomadic. The decision was made for us. I needed a hip replacement. Well, and, and there you go, and the healing and time. That and follows time afterwards. Yeah. yeah. You, well, that's just going to give you more mileage, though, Allison, on the road. Having <laughs> well, that brand new hip. Later, seven She's months faster than later, me now. <laughs> I was off to um. Seven months later, I was off to Japan and China for seven weeks. That somehow does not surprise me about about <laughs> you. <laughs> 
you've heard about the energizer bunny <laughs> yes energizer i'm getting Alley. i'm getting that feeling the fierce yeah. energizing bunny this is something that's very near and dear to my heart and why i i really love reading your blog because it's so beautiful and and it's not just a travel blog it's a it's a journey through your own spiritual growth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. development together and I just want to know, first of all, why you want to share that with all of us. It's such a gift. And and what are the greatest moments that you think you've experienced of that inner knowing during this these last six plus years? We did actually talk about this yesterday. Um, and for me, it was it, it was just a gradual thing. I mean, there was n- nothing jumped out at me, but I can tell you that that six years where we were together 24 7 where we had no home where we didn't really mostly know what was coming next there was this just gradual movement to this place of surrender of trusting the universe of knowing so much we think we're in control and we're really not mm. isn't but that of, the truth of yeah. that yeah. getting deeper and deeper and deeper in me so that you know, it, it doesn't mean I don't get anxious or upset, but it does mean that that it passes very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I, this ties into this little piece from the blog that I wanted to read because I wrote this whole thing about presence. So there's a few paragraphs first about being presence. And then in presence, there's no fretting about the grass is greener and um, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be doing that. But then I put... Um, all of this applies to any lifestyle, but being nomadic is really bringing this home to us because we have none of the external props to keep us grounded and provide the illusion of stability. We're endlessly stepping off a cliff into the unknown. So is everyone really. But if you stay in one place, it's not as obvious. It's only in presence that the cliff disappears. We're both being moved over and over again back to presence. It's the only thing that makes the cliff disappear. In presence, everything is okay exactly the way it is. And I'll back to your in, um, the initial part of this question about why I shared, why we shared the inner journey, because there's quite a few articles Don wrote about it too, mm-hmm. is because being truthful and authentic about our journey was more important than pictures of where we went. That is absolutely the beauty of of what you've done with your blog is that mm-hmm. you can do a little bit of that armchair travel through your blog and s- sort of see some of these sites and, and locations through your eyes, but it is so raw and authentic and exploratory of the self. Mm-hmm. And it's a gift. It's a gift to others because it's, it's inspiring others to do the same. I personally am a huge fan and I'm quite grateful. Ah, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I read a quote some years ago. Writing is easy. You just open up a vein, <laughs> dip in, and write. And in your blood. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who said that. I don't remember who said it. Oh, God. <laughs> that is just comes very fast forward in your blog, for sure. Yeah. Good. Doing that all those years of writing. I mean, there's one post I wrote called Way Out on a Limb. 
And, and I really was, I was bearing my soul. And, but doing that all those years, I gradually got more and more and more and more comfortable with, uh, it's like, I have nothing to hide. The only things I hide are what I hide from myself. Absolutely. So it yeah. really breaks down that resistance, right? Yeah. yeah. Right to uncomfortability and to struggle and to hardship yeah. and letting go. Yeah. Really, that's yeah. the message of that's the the crux of the message of your blog. And I think it, your experience is just surrendering and letting go. Very powerful. So I think that you should write a book. What do you think about that idea? Ah, yeah. We've talked about it. Many people have suggested it. Originally, we said, well, we'll travel for 10 years and then we'll write a book about it. And then we'll be rich. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope so. But you almost have a book in your blog there. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. a lot of it's written already. I know it just needs to be curated properly, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it would be beautiful. And I think it would be, again, as I said, it would be a gift to the world. Part of my issue with it is I can never stay on top of the blog. I can never, I, there's always more. It's like I have probably a dozen posts about Greece to write yet, mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. and photographs of Greece, let alone we've been in Australia for the last what, nearly, two. T- nearly two months yeah. and so many stories. It is very demanding and, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And it takes up a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe in our spare time, we should curate and cobble something together. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think it would be a great idea. We need two things to write, to do, write a book. Mm-hmm. One is commitment. Yeah. See, I am so committed to the blog, which is why it survives after, I don't know, this is going into the 12th year. This is really deep commitment to it. But we need a joint commitment to write yeah. a book. When that mm-hmm. commitment arises, it will happen. Yes. Right. Yeah. For, for all yeah. of the stars to be aligned and for the universe to show you show you the way. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like do this now. Exactly. Yeah. Do this now. <laughs> yeah. You'll hear. You'll hear the voice. I'm sure of the universe when it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Don and Allison. We are so oh. blessed to have the privilege of talking with you today. Our pleasure. And, yeah. Oh, good. And I hope you will come and speak with us again. You have so much to share. You bet. Yeah, we'd love okay. to. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, if you would like to follow Allison and Don's adventure, you can find their blog, This Nomadic Life, at www.allison with one L and Dawn.com. And we'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks again. Allison and Dawn really set the bar pretty high in so many ways. Didn't they? As we age, there is certainly more to think about prior to jumping on a plane, though. For instance, did you know that there were maximum ages for renting a car in different countries? Yeah, I did. Alrighty then, I did not. (laughs) That's because you were a seasoned traveler. Me, on the other hand, I'm a bit of a newbie. For those of our listeners who didn't know, if you're considering the possibility of renting a car, various countries have different age requirements. For instance, 70 is the max age allowed to rent a car in Croatia, while in Greece, it's a little older at 75. And in Portugal, 80, but in Finland, it's 97. Holy moly, 97. They've got the faith in (laughs) Finland, don't they? This is really important information, though. If you're planning on renting a car while you're traveling, it could be even a determining factor where you want to travel and when. 
You may want to visit Finland and Greece at some point, but if you prefer to have the flexibility offered by renting a car during your holiday and you're 73, you might want to go to visit Greece first before you go to Finland. Excellent point. Check out those ages. One big question seniors, however, have when planning a travel is about insurance. Yeah, insurance is such a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, Mark Rosanis explores travel insurance in an article he wrote last summer for Insurance Business Canada. Now in it, he discusses what Canadians specifically should know. And as you say, Harris, Rosanis really emphasizes just how important insurance is. He states that Global Affairs Canada reminds all travelers that Canadian public health insurance is almost certainly not valid outside Canada. And getting treatment in foreign hospitals can be very expensive and may require immediate cash payment. The agency added that government will not foot any medical bills for an illness or accident suffered abroad. Yeah. Rosanna's references Alliance, a global assistance organization, which states that because most countries don't provide free health care to visitors, travel insurance is a must-have if you need emergency medical treatment while you're away. Additionally, an increasing number of countries have started requiring proof of emergency medical coverage. Yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. It's important for senior travelers to disclose any pre-existing medical conditions to their insurer as failure to do so could risk voiding their coverage. It's not a problem you want. Definitely not a problem you want. Yeah, and a pre-existing condition is any illness, injury, or medical issue that seniors knew they had prior to their departure. According to ratehub.ca, these include any condition that travelers experienced symptoms of, were diagnosed and or treated, prescribed new medication for, or changed existing medication. Most travel health insurance policies for seniors provide coverage for pre-existing conditions, but include a stability clause, which requires a medical condition to be under control with no major changes for between 90 days and one year. So Rosanna states that many insurance companies offer tailored coverage for the snowbird. (laughs) That's what we in Canada call a Canadian who spends winter months living in places in warmer climates. That's because it's really cold in Canada. Yeah, I know nothing about that. (laughs) One of the biggest differences between standard senior travel insurance plans and those catering to snowbirds is really the length of time for coverage. So regular travel policies for seniors covers trips lasting up to 21 days, while snowbird travel insurance covers up to 212 days of coverage. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, it's always wise to find out exactly what your insurance will cover. Mm-hmm. So since coverage details vary from policy to policy, he really recommends shopping around, reading the fine print carefully, and don't just settle for the cheapest policy. Make sure you select one that meets your specific needs. It's really a great article, and we'll include the link in our show notes. Absolutely. Maintaining good health while traveling is so critical and can sometimes be a little more nuanced as we get older. It's best to be as well prepared for something unexpected as possible, right, Walker? Yeah, definitely. American Geriatric Society Health and Aging Foundation agrees that planning ahead can really prevent a lot of headaches and unnecessary stress and cost. Yeah. They recommend to make sure your vaccines are up to date, sometimes even six weeks in advance is necessary before you travel. Have a chat with your healthcare professional. They can also recommend any medications that you might need or that might be wise to bring. Mm-hmm. Also, older adults can be at a higher risk of DVT or deep vein thrombosis, which sitting for long periods of time on the plane 
can happen. Right. Yeah. I've heard getting up and moving around or those compression socks might help, Mm -hmm. but best to talk to your doctor about what they might recommend for you. Absolutely. Make sure you have all your medication supplements, dosages and schedules written down. Written in the brand and generic name is helpful. And have your healthcare professional check to make sure it's accurate. Ask your doctor to write a wee summary of your medical problems, current treatment, and their contact information for emergency purposes. Yeah, that's a great idea. Not just for seniors, Mm -hmm. too. Anyone with ongoing health issues should take that little piece of travel advice and put it in their pocket. Right. And it's a good idea to keep a secondary copy, too. Oh. Uh, we're, we're dotting our I's and crossing our yeah. T's here. Keep it, keep it in a separate location or give it to your traveling companion just in case. Now, another tip is to keep your medication in its original packaging. This makes it easier to get through customs. Make sure your meds are in your carry-on and not your checked luggage. That way, you don't have to worry if your luggage gets separated. Mm-hmm. I've made that mistake before. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And just stay healthy on your trip, right? Wash your hands. Be careful of the water you drink depending on the location you're traveling to. And wear a mask in crowded places and stay hydrated. This all sounds like common sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Now, if you live in Canada, the Government of Canada's website offers travel information specific to older travelers. There is also a list of destination-specific travel advice and advisories. I would imagine that most countries have similar websites that you can check out. Those travel advisories are very, very important to read before booking or heading to a foreign destination. They can be very informative, but sometimes they can be critically important for safety. Yeah, the beauty of travel today, however, is that there are more options than ever. That variety includes a multitude of senior-friendly travel groups. And if you have an interest, there's probably a tour out there that will cater to you. In a 2021 article written for Travel and Leisure, Patricia Doherty outlined 14 senior-friendly travel groups which are aimed at mature clients. Elder Treks is one of them. It's an adventure travel company for people over 50. They organize tours for small groups of people to more than 100 countries, including safaris, hiking trips, and cultural journeys, ranging in levels from one to five. So one being the easiest, and at level one, individuals should be able to walk one mile or hike for one to two hours. Okay, I got to stop you there, Walker. Wait, am I now over 50 considered to be... A senior? Uh, I'm not answering that question. So, okay. <laughs> Another great company is Kensington Tours. Mm-hmm. I've heard of them. Yeah. They specialize in organizing privately guided trips according to your preferences, and they would definitely be worth talking to before planning your trip. And they also can arrange for multi generational travel experiences as well. I've actually looked at some of their itineraries for some of their tours, and they look outstanding. They do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Intrepid Travel also sounds pretty great. It's It's been referred to as a leading adventure tour operator, which offers tailor-made trips ideal for senior groups. They offer accessible tours, which help you get the itinerary you most prefer, and their walking and hiking trips are suitable for a range of fitness levels. Now, I only touched on a few, but I recommend people check out the full article. Well, I'll be taking a look for sure, especially now that I qualify, Walker. There you go. Baby boomers, retirees, elders, seniors, mature adults. People of an older age want to travel. In fact, it might just be great for their health. With a little research and a plan, anyone who wants to kayak the Sea of Cortez, cycle the flats of Holland, or cruise the River Nile 
can, no matter their age. So when considering travel as an older adult, remember this, age is just a number. So go for it. Thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your hosts, Harrison Walker. Follow us each week as we continue the conversation.